genre. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King, four hesitant guards at a time. <laughs> I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And back again today is Joe Dorowski. Hello. Hi. Hello. I cannot wait to see what happens to Denethor after we left him all oily yesterday. Right. Uh, let's let's see what happens. So, so today's minute starts with Denethor still oily. Uh, starting to raise his arms and spread them out in a T-pose. <laughs> and ends with uh, Pippin and Faramir rolling off this pyre towards the floor. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of a lot happens in between those two things. Yes. Uh, but one of the first things I kind of want to call attention to in this minute is the sound design of this minute in particular. Okay. And how subtle you can hear that Gandalf is coming before he appears. Can you? I. It seems like it to me. It seems like the the sound wants you to know that Gandalf is about to come through that door. Because Denethor hears something. Uh-huh. And I think if you're paying really close attention, you can too when Denethor opens his eyes. It's, it's more than just the walking of the guards. So you hear the, the, oh. the music Crackle is swelling the a bit to build tension, but you think in the background there's a little bit of hoof oh, clattering, right? It's what you're yeah, you're like mixed into. in with like the crackling of the the torch yeah. as you get closer. Mm-hmm. I think if you're really paying attention, you can pick out you can pick out the footfalls of shadow there's, facts on I mean, the other side yeah, of the door. Yeah, right before the the whinny, right? And I think it, I think it starts before that, but there's just like the swelling in the music is like a distraction, but it's I think it's there. Mm. And I just think it's it's this really, it's this really tiny thing in the background of the music that when I was watching when we first watched the minute back, I was like, is that is that Shadowfax's footfalls right before Denethor opens his eyes? Like, is that you're just starting to hear it? See, I always thought that he like I took, um, I was gonna I had a note about him opening his eyes because the way like he does it, it's kind of comedic. Like he's already expecting to be on fire. Like. He's looking like he opens his eyes because he's just like, okay, come on, you guys. Like, see, I never read it like that because I think the look on John Noble's face is one like it's. I think it's annoyance, but I always thought it was annoyance that he knows he, he feels he's about to be interrupted. He, oh, he knows it's about to happen. Yeah, no, I I read it as annoyance at like these, these people with common sense taking their sweet time. Yeah, I because <laughs> he said set a fire in our flesh like fifteen seconds ago. Like, come on. Well, I mean, by the by the time by the time he opens his eyes, yes. Come on. If I can offer a third alternative, I always read the eye opening as he's about to give the order, "Do it," like Emperor Palpatine. Mm. (laughs) Ah, ah. It's amazing what different people get out of that. But I I just, I just wanted to call attention to the the sound design because I think you can hear, you can hear Shadowfax outside the door before the door opens. I think you definitely can right before the whinny happens. Mm. Um, Yeah. But I, I, I was listening to it a bit before. in the background, and I, I, I definitely hear what you're describing, Norman. Yeah, so I, I think it's just really cool, because I think it's something that um, it is really easy to miss, because it mm-hmm. blends in with the crackling of the torch yeah. as the camera zooms in on it. Yeah. Uh, 
and Bryn brings that crackling further to the front of the sound of the the sound in the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I just think it's really uh, just like a really subtle bit of sound design. And I'm not always the person that notices that. No, I'm surprised. I'm impressed even. Um, <laughs> That doesn't happen very often where I'm just like, there's this little thing in the, in the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder if, if I noticed it because I watched these minutes, I watched these minutes a couple times through uh, before I sent them off to, to Joe to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, they're so good. Cause they're so good. So I, just, <laughs> I just couldn't, I couldn't just like check the minute to make sure it was the right run. And like I opened the first one. It's fourth air lingus. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to watch this five minutes. Uh, <laughs> I love these guards are these um these torch bearers yeah just, uh, do you prefer the really torch bearers or the door guards because they're both a pretty great group and, well then there's also the witnesses of this perverted ceremony that's about to happen it's like okay call in the witnesses and there's two guys just standing there watching four guys with torches and the two guys guarding the door though they're supposed to be guarding the door they uh <laughs> they're not doing the best job ever at guarding the door <laughs> We, right. I'm okay. So I've talked. Why are about, they not outside the door? I've Come talked on. about the, the the Gondorian guards uh, before, um, especially like with specifically the Gondor guards. Yes, <laughs> specifically in relationship to to Gandalf, because um, there's guards when Gandalf just storms into the Great Hall. Um, yeah. they're not doing their jobs. Right. This is kind of a good callback to that in a way. It really is. Also, Denethor has his back to the door in this scene. Hmm. But I love, I love the um, like the trepidation that the, these torchbearers have. The one guy um, in like the back left corner, just like looking between like his his coworkers, like, yeah. are we actually gonna do this? Like, yeah. um, it's a very dangerous game of chicken. Like, seeing which one decides to put the, the flame to the kindling first. They're also they're not all like the same kind of torch either. There's yeah, couple, there's like two different torch designs, because the one that Denethor takes from a guy is longer than the ones in the foreground, as the camera right. kind of spins around him. Do you think that they just grabbed him off the walls? Probably. When uh, that makes sense when Gandalf yells, "Stay this madness!" They're also very quick and look very relieved. To yeah, okay, <laughs> like they pull the torches back <laughs> as soon yeah. as anyone says something, they're willing to stop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank goodness. Someone was saying is here. <laughs> like, right. I know. Okay. So like these two guys that are enabling this, um, that are just chilling back there watching. The witnesses at the back. Uh, that's what I'm going to call yeah. them. <laughs> they got to make sure the, the bodies get burned properly. I think it's what their role is. Right. Yeah. Do you think they, they just... are um, followers of the old heathen rituals? And so they're really excited and, you know, to see this brought back. Okay. This is how we see... do it. <laughs> see norman thought um because we saw like the procession uh, a couple weeks ago um and norman thought that they were like priests or or um like some kind of religious overseers or like um, burial overseers but i think they're like part of his uh denethor's like cabinet like his leadership circle um and i don't know which is worse (laughs) it kind of toss up there i guess i guess the politicians because like they've been enabling him for like how long <laughs> decades <laughs> decades Who, whoever Simply they are yes men they should be removed from the bureaucracy when a new leader yes i agree in. whoever that new leader maybe right <laughs> right yeah we get uh stay this madness and uh Denith, uh gandalf comes in denethor turns around uh gandalf doesn't have a staff 
because in the extended version of this movie, it's broken by the Witch King like five minutes ago. Yeah. But in the theatrical version of this, he still doesn't have his staff here, but we don't see what happens to it. <laughs> he he's he's able to rectify that problem. That's not a long-term issue for him in the scene, because again, those guards who are so great at their job... <laughs> um, One of them just, just lets snatch. go of his spear. <laughs> and his reaction after Gandalf starts riding away is a bit comical. This must have just been like, okay, we got to take. But it's like after Gandalf is gone, he's like, oh, he took my spear, and he falls forward a little. Like jerks forth. Oh no! <laughs> I wonder if, like, quietly, he's like, "Get off here! Take it! Take it!" <laughs> please, please take this. <laughs> See, they don't have any lines, so we don't know if there's a if there's a, a Hama gambling relationship between two of these. Contorian okay, but guards. like, at least the Ro- the Rohan guards, like, at least they were competent. Like, that's they... because Wormtongue would have had them lashed to death. That's true. You don't think Denethor would? It, I don't know, dude. He's lighting himself and his son on fire. What do yeah, you think he does to them? Well, they're like, just like, the... well, if if Denethor does what he's gonna do, doesn't matter anymore. I guess he's so. Be dead. <laughs> uh, and I think Denethor's punishment would be: you bring me my small tomatoes and watch me eat them. <laughs> You're gonna no, sit not there. that. <laughs> You're gonna Anything sing. but the tomatoes. You're going to sing while I eat my lunch. That's your job today. <laughs> I thought that he banished people to the... Um, oh, oh, yeah, beacon the, duty. The beacons, yeah. Beacon duty. <laughs> you got to live out in the, the wilds for two but years. Like, but if you're the guards in this scene, no matter what happens when Gandalf goes through that door, when, when Gandalf comes in, no matter what happens in this moment, these guards... I don't think they're getting punished after this. <laughs> I think they're fine. No matter how this shakes out, because either either Denethor is dead and Gandalf is gone, or Gandalf just takes more control of everything like he did when he smacked Denethor 20 minutes ago. Yes, this is the second time. This is the second time Denethor gets walloped by Gandalf. With a stick. With a stick. So, like, also, uh, if you're talking about watching extras, when uh, the camera zooms in on Denethor, when he's talking about you, you may you may triumph in the field of battle for a day, the there the extras in the back are looking at each other every so often. Oh God, it's the best. <laughs> just they're like looking at Gandalf, looking at each other, looking at Denethor, looking at Gandalf, looking at each other. It's so <laughs> looking good. at Denethor. <laughs> they just they're real uneasy about this, and the one that he took the torch from just keeps looking at the guy in the back. Right, it's like oh no, I. Should I take? Should I reach just, and take it? Like, he just took it. Oh no! I mean, do you think that was direction, or was it just like react as you would react if you were an underling and your boss was lighting his son on fire and ordering you to and light himself. him on fire? Yeah. Now, now act naturally. Give it. Give us the real reaction. Get into your character as an extra standing there. Right. Like you're going into a board meeting and the boss has his son laid out on the table. <laughs> He's got some torches. Okay, but these guys. These guys are the ones, they're like the pallbearers. They carried Faramir on right. that, that thing. Right, so all these guys are aware Faramir is alive, I hope, and they just don't know what to do. Pippin got thrown out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, damn. Like, all of these people were here for that. Yeah, Pippin got yeeted out the door. Oh, man. Also, if you're watching really closely, the size of that torch changes from earlier in the minute to when Denethor grabs it. <laughs> It grows. It gets longer. It becomes a, a bigger, more bigger dramatic prop. torch. Yeah, that's funny. It's one of those things you don't see unless you're watching the movie one minute at a time, really close. Mm-hmm. Right, real close. Yeah. 
oh his scowl with the the camera spinning around him when he when he does open his eyes and he still has like so much oil uh and when he whips his head around and all this scraggly hair flops across his face and sticks it is just so like repellent to see <laughs> it's so perfect it's, for this yeah. moment. it's so good it is it is so good john noble is john noble steals every scene he's in uh, even when he's on screen with Just Ian like McKellen. Just like he stole that the torch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but like even on screen with Ian McKellen, the person I'm most interested in watching on screen right now is John Noble. Because he's, he's covered in oil. <laughs> he's in the middle of the room. Also, he's wearing, he's wearing chainmail that's painted black. Yeah. And uh, John Howe in the commentary says that uh, this is that Denethor always has this on under his robes, and it's just to me that just makes it sound like well, to me it, it makes sense I guess because Denethor would be paranoid as all hell by now. Mm-hmm. So of course he's always wearing his armor. He's just hiding it under his luxurious robes, right? I mean, and that's one of those. I was gonna say that's one of those details that adds character once you like notice it and think about it. But ninety nine percent of the time you can watch the movie and never spot that, and and. It doesn't feel like you're missing anything, but once you right. see that and you think about its relation to his character, like it just adds that little sousant of depth, you know, of symbolism in there. And and like he's just like, oh, they they were so careful. I, everyone making this loved this material and was was working to make it the best that it could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John Howe also says that he thinks this this wearing of this chainmail at all times it would be like an act of penitence on Denethor's part. In what way? I I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure that I agree with that exactly but i just i mean i guess denethor is like a thoughtful deliberate person in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. but i I don't know if i would use the word penitent to describe denethor Mm. no i it's not the at least not in the like top 10 (laughs) adjectives that i would apply (laughs) to him uh greasy uh (laughs) slimy on uh, fire on fire (laughs) flammable flammables in there flammable (laughs) flammable uh that's a good descriptive word. Luxurious. He is luxurious. I I don't even know about that. Though he, he takes that luxury in the last 60 seconds. Yeah, for real. I <sighs> mean, him and Wormtongue are just wearing the most luxurious robes in the whole trilogy. Yeah. They just, they look so, so like, so decadent and, and. Decadence a good and word. Nice and high quality compared I think, to so I think other stuff. Like decadent has more of a a negative connotation than luxurious. That's true. Decadence is better. Yeah. yeah. So I agree yeah. with that. Luxurious feels like um like like a little bit like you're pampering yourself, but it's like special, but decadent just feels like you're rubbing it in everyone's faces, what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And just I continue to love the contrast of of Denethor all in black in all of these spaces just full of white marble. Mm-hmm. It makes him look like big and powerful, but also out of place. So it's just kind of, it's just kind of perfect visually to just see this guy all in black surrounded by white. Mm-hmm. What do you think about seeing this guy surrounded all in flames? Does that inter- right? interest you? Cause I have a next minute that may. I think it does interest me. Um, <laughs> Also, like, um, I know Gandalf is Gandalf the White, but in this minute, he's pretty beige. <laughs> <laughs> he's been um, commanding armies, doing on, what Denethor on, has not. Yeah, he's on his way back to doing. being Gandalf the Grey, but not by, not by choice. <laughs> uh, 
But uh, this this line that Denethor delivers in this minute, John Noble says with such like gravity to it, mm-hmm. like he's he's really selling this this feeling. Like this is the this is the reality Denethor lives in. Is the uh, this idea that you you can win on the field of battle for a day, but against the power that has risen in the east, there is no victory. Mm-hmm. Then he throws the torch down and like his last act of defiance. Yeah, and it's just. Uh, it's so good. I just I could watch I could watch this one minute of the movie like forty times and never get bored. Just over and over and over again. It really is fantastic. And that line, since you just read it, let's uh, circle back to the game we've played on our, my my first two episodes as a guest uh, this week. Yes, which is best uh, spoken line of of the minute. The only other ca- uh, contender is "Stay this madness," which uh, Ian McKellen also delivers with some great gravity. So, which do you prefer? this minute stay this madness or you may triumph in the field of battle for a day but against the power that has risen in the east there is no victory i think denethor wins again yeah, i'm just a just a sucker for john noble here <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it is um uh, in a uh, minute the first minute i was here there were only eight words spoken then last minute there were six words spoken this minute there are 28 i counted it because there are so few across <laughs> these minutes and uh, i will just say this is by far the leader for the whole week of most lo- most words mm-hmm. spoken in a minute <laughs> yeah 25 of them by denethor <laughs> yeah so almost right. a um almost a monologue it feels like amidst these minutes <laughs> <laughs> Yep, and then uh, Gandalf Gandalf rides up on Shadowfax, wallops Denethor off of this thing, and Pippin jumps on the yeah. jumps on the pyre, My and boy. struggles with all of his strength to push this unconscious Faramir off the top of the. Okay, stick. Faramir is like waking up, so like he couldn't help a little. Uh, he couldn't give Pippin some slack. He's pretty weak. He just breathed in all this this smoke. That's true, I guess. Surrounded by fire, it's hot. Um, so this, so I have. There's a there's a couple things to talk about for this scene too, I guess. Uh, some other like technical notes. Uh, virtually none of this was all staged together. They, this is a lot of like clever cutting of people at different points around this area without being able to fit everyone in all at once. Mm-hmm. This is this is a lot of like clever staging so that not everyone was in the scene act in there being filmed all at the same time actually. And if you cut around it, you can kind of see it. For how intimate this scene is, you can, like, just thinking it through, you realize there's got to be a, several stuntmen and body doubles that have to be used um, for, uh, you know, something that is so outside the scale of the battle that we just cut from. Like, we're, we're cutting from the, the massive battle that we spent, a, you know, an episode talking about how many horses and everything. And, and this feels mm-hmm. much smaller and, and more intimate. But as you start to think through the logistics of filmmaking, it's like a lot of people had to be involved in this in this whole process, too. And like you're saying, so much editing had to be done once you think, OK, well, that one probably had to be a stunt person, you know, and that sort of thing. And like cuts between stuff. So when uh, when you see Ian McKellen swing the swing the butt of this spear and then the camera follows from Gandalf to Denethor, that's two takes cut together. That's not a single take with a single camera movement. Oh, nice. Um, so, like, there's a lot of that going on in the scene of, like, multiple takes in the space being cut together and, like, transitions from one character to another mm-hmm. without uh, that look pretty seamless, but we're not done with both characters actually there. I will say, in, in talking about the editing, and, like, I, I, now I'm scrubbing through the minute, paying super close attention, the shot where... Um, where uh pippin jumps from the back of the horse onto the pyre 
uh, take a moment and look at uh, Gandalf or the the double that is riding the horse for Gandalf right there. And they, they seem to be focused solely on maintaining control of the horse while while he jumps off and, and unconcerned with the battle that he, you know, the blow that he just struck against Denethor at all. Right. Yeah, the spear is back to just like nice, calm, centered. And, and, yes, <laughs> standing and a very upright. stiff back holding, holding the horse in place. So that the, so that Pippin can jump over here. Uh, and apparently this silicon double of, of David Wenham was good enough that one morning on set when they were filming and this thing was around, someone got coffee and brought it over to where the dummy was on the side of set for David Wenham, not realizing it was the dummy. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> they just thought he had fallen asleep on set and were like, hey, do you need some coffee, man? <laughs> That's funny. So very convincing yeah, silicon it, dummy. Yeah, it, it, it is very convincing. I mean, we, the, the Boromir silicon dummy that they used in Two Towers was really convincing. That's true. That looked like Sean Bean floating in a boat. <laughs> Isn't. It's a dummy. But yeah, then we get, we get Pippin struggling with everything he's got to save Faramir. It, it is a good hero moment for Pippin, right? The mm-hmm. um, Kind of the, um, the contrast where Pippin was when we start these films. Um, you yeah. know, interested in, in basically drinking and getting into the occasional uh, bit of mischief. And that's it. And now leaping onto burning logs to save to save someone. Yeah. I mean this is this is the this is where Pippin's arc was headed the whole time. He became he became this brave person that puts others first. Like this is mm-hmm. this is his realization as a person. Yeah. Is this this moment. I'm proud of him. Yeah. Cause he and Faramir have only talked like what once twice maybe i think in the theatrical i think it's like literally once yeah i think in the extent it's only twice yeah but they just they have this kind of instant connection yeah but even so like i think even if the like they didn't have um some sort of like friendship or or connection i think like pippin is concerned with doing the right thing and yeah that's stopping denethor (laughs) they also they both have guilt over the death of boromir for like similar reasons for feeling like they could have stopped it if they'd only like been stronger or been able to be there or mm-hmm. been able to in Faramir's case if his father loved him more <laughs> and it's <sent laughs> there's him some daddy stead. issues there on that one. <laughs> oh yeah. yes some that's just <laughs> you know I, so, you know just a I, smattering. I, I studied some film so I picked up the subtext there on, <laughs> on the relationship between right. Faramir and Denethor there we talked a few weeks ago we talked a few weeks ago with Sam and Frodo how sometimes the subtext becomes just the becomes text. the text yes <laughs> um, but but with Pippin it is uh, like this this moment of heroism one, one thing that I like so much about it is that um, him even being in this position is so agentive like he has chosen he's not reacting he's acting um, in so many of the the, the the final parts of this film where I'm going mm-hmm. to actually go against what I've been instructed, not because I'm being mischievous this time, but because I am, um, I, I feel like a moral obligation to pledge my service. I feel a moral obligation to find Gandalf and stop uh, Denethor from, from this. And now I'm going to choose to leap onto this fire and, and shove Faramir off without being ordered to at all. Like he is now actively seeking out the best role that he can have when he starts the film as the, you know, the comic relief. That's a goofball on the side. Yeah. Yeah. This is the, this is the moment where he seizes hold of something uh, 
to get his own agency to push the narrative forward in some way. Because mm-hmm. largely he's either reactive or passive and secondary to Mary. Mm-hmm. Because Mary is, Mary seems to be the the one that's, you know, Mary's the one in charge of the two of them. Mary is the instigator. Yeah, for, Mary's the instigator. For both mischief and like good deeds, I think. And But Mary's never, well, and, like, uh, Emotion, right? Mary, Mary's the one that kind of says, okay, you know, this, this is more serious now. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Mary's Mary's never really reactive. Mary is a proactive character pretty much the whole way through. He Mary shows agency all the way back in the first movie because without Mary like Mary making the decision uh to get to the ferry. Oh, that's true. They wouldn't have gotten away from the nine. Like yeah. Mary's Mary's ability to to make decisions and Mary's agency matters even all the way back in the first movie. Mm-hmm. But Pippin doesn't have that moment until the third one. Like his takes the longest to get where it's going. But Mary has always had kind of that that agency and that that care for others that causes him to act in a way that Pippin hasn't. Mm-hmm. Because he's still at growing least, up. Right, at least demonstrated in the movie. Like, clearly Pippin has empathy for all of his friends. Yeah. yeah. But Mary's always been the more proactive one of the two. And the second most proactive hobbit. But I think, like, um, like... Pippin's always had empathy for friends and people that he cares about, but like, again, he Faramir's practically a stranger. Uh, yeah, he and Faramir have talked like twice. Yeah, so like this, uh, that's this a is, shift, I think. Yeah, this is him growing into that. Yeah, into a thing that uh, Mary displayed a, a movie and a half ago. Yeah, and that uh, Frodo and Sam seem to have had from the beginning, and Mary too, because Pippin's the youngest, right. so he's, he's still learning. Yeah. yeah, and like as far as characters whose action uh hobbits who have like agency that push the narrative forward it's first frodo then mary then sam then pippin really yeah i would say so i i would say that in as far as the the story in total sam does sam makes the most uh crucial decisions of the four hobbits in this movie uh-huh. i think overall and he makes more of them around frodo yes uh but Frodo Frodo starts the journey. Right. He makes the decision like what the journey is going to be. But Mary's agency in the first movie helps ensure that they get to Rivendell. And then Mary's agency in the second movie makes sure that they defeat Helm's Deep. Like Helm's Deep is won. Mm-hmm. And and cleaned up. Um, so I think Mary's agency is like the does the second most uh for for propelling the narrative forward. Okay. Next to Frodo. Interesting. Yeah, Mary makes Mary makes two big decisions that like are required for the narrative to move to the next film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what, one thing that's interesting as you as you look at it, um, we don't have any Frodo minutes in in this week. Um, but like in this film, I was thinking about um what it would be like to act for uh, as as Frodo because he becomes so zombie like, like he loses so much of of yeah. the kind of agency that we're talking about. Um, you know, obviously he's still like trying to move forward, but like he, he becomes a shell and this is really like Pippin coming alive uh, in, in a lot of ways um, and, and um, yeah. you know, arcing upward as uh, the toll that is being um, borne by Frodo is just wearing him down to, to nothing. And Pippin is becoming a more vibrant character uh, in, in, as the story progresses. Mm-hmm. That, you're right. And that's, I mean, that's true of all three other hobbits. The, the worse Frodo gets, the stronger the other three get in the narrative, which is just kind of an interesting thing. Like, and that's, that's, you know, it's just because Frodo is carrying the ring and he's of course getting weaker, but it it's, it 
it's almost certainly conscious. It was almost certainly conscious to give the other hobbits more agency as Frodo loses agency. Yeah. Because it, it's what keeps the story moving forward. Because ultimately, uh, the hobbits are responsible for moving the narrative forward in ways that uh, are are necessary but seem small. And that's like one of the big themes of the, the story right. in general. Right. But all like, you know, the pebbles rolling downhill can cause an avalanche. Mm-hmm. And that's the hobbits are the, the the physical manifestation of that of that idea. They're yeah. like a a living manifestation of that idea. I've never thought about that though, like um, the juxtaposition of Frodo's like deterioration and the other three like coming Growth. into their own. Yeah, yeah. And the one that's most the you know Sam most directly grows from in part from Frodo's deterioration. Right. Merry and Pippin grow separate from it, but it still like tracks along the same kind of path. If you were to make a graph, there's an X that right. could make an X. I mean, and like I guess that makes the that scene that I that I wasn't um, particularly partial to the the scene with uh, Eowyn and Mary, and Mary is talking about how like what he's doing is for his friends, and he specifically mentions like Frodo and Sam and Pippin. Yeah. Um, so I think that that links emotionally to what we've been talking about with like Pippin and his agency right. and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, and when we talked about it before, I was just like, I like that scene because I think it, it draws a more direct parallel to Pippin yeah. in the structure of this movie. I guess I like it in that context, but I still, at the time, you I think it slows the movie yeah, down too do, much. It does. Yeah. Cool. I think we've, we need to get to the good part, dude. I, I think we talked about everything we can in this minute and then some, uh, so yeah, uh, if you go to uh, if you go to duelinggenre.com, you can find a whole bunch of other dueling genre movies by minutes podcasts, mm-hmm. including Spider Man Minute, uh, the Cornetto Minute, which is currently in the middle of their third movie, yes. uh, the backlogs of Harry Potter Minute. Hopefully, Prisoner of Azkaban comes sooner rather than later. Eventually, it'll, eventually, it'll 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 come out. Um, you can also find Jane Silent Bob Minute. Rocky Minute. There's a whole bunch of them on the site. I think there's the, 10 total. The two mean age needle teetles? Yes. <laughs> two mean age needle teetles. I saw I saw that um, as a cross stitch the other day. I don't know if I showed you. You didn't, but it's excellent. <laughs> but it was like the... Yeah, anyway. <laughs> needle teetles. <laughs> Go check out the other Movies by Minutes podcasts on the, on the website. And we'll be back tomorrow to keep talking about this madness. Yeah. Bye. Bye.